Hi, my name is Tina Brackens. I moved to Austin from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I grew up living in many different countries when I was very young. My father uh, actually worked for the US government during the Cold War. So I lived in different places in Europe. I lived in Puerto Rico. We moved from Puerto Rico to Minneapolis when I was 10 years old. And my family's there still. My name is Christopher Inahosa. I'm from South Texas, um, Corpus Christi specifically. I did my undergraduate at Texas A&M Corpus Christi, uh, and I moved to Austin to hopefully pursue grad school. My family's obviously, they migrated here from somewhere. I don't really know our story that well. My name's Yvonne Montejano. I'm from El Paso, Texas. My parents are from Chihuahua, Mexico, and I'm a first-generation I'm Sandra Perez del Carpio. I am Peruvian. Uh, my family and I moved when I was eight years old to South Florida. I've lived there, I guess, most of my life. Then I moved to Tucson, Arizona to do my undergrad um, in anthropology, and that's when I kind of started working with the Latinx community over there. And then I moved back to South Florida to work with the Guatemalan community in Lake Worth, and then I moved here to Austin. My name is Izzy Ramirez. I was born in Puebla, Mexico. I was raised in South Texas. I did my undergrad in San Marcos, and now I'm a Latinx artist based out of Austin, Texas. I'm Yosemite Mirajas, a designer and resistance artist and volunteer adult Texas. I was born in Piedras Negras and raised on the border town of Eagle Pass, Texas in the Southwest. I did my undergrad at UT Dallas and currently studying for my master's degree in communication design at Texas State. My name is Jesus Valdez. I'm a first generation American born to parents from Mexico and Central America. I was born in Houston, grew up there and then moved to Austin to pursue my college career. Now I've stayed here for almost a decade and I'm a practicing architect. Hello, my name is Eddie Valle. I was born under parents who came from Michoacan, Mexico. I was born in Austin and I was raised in a small town just outside of Austin. The Monarch Butterfly is a representation of the resilience of our families in traveling for the American dream, so that's why we originally chose it. The nature of humanity is to also move and to seek opportunities, and so in the same exact way, the way we've moved throughout these political borders, even now in the United States, immigrants and undocumented people are vital to the economy and they're vital to, to the system and they pay into it. And it's not like they're a drain on the economy or a drain on people's taxes or, you know, you're not supporting, you know, it's, they paint this picture of, of what a drain we are, but really it's, we're vital to it. You know, we, we support everything that we touch and by bringing our culture and our diversity, we enrich everything around us in the way that every culture has throughout history. Now we happen to be the one that's the most prevalent, but that's where the racism comes in, that they don't want specifically us. They will take our culture and they will take our ideas, but they don't want the people themselves. The Afro-Latina 
on the butterfly, I drew back on September 5th when DACA was announced that it was going to expire. So I drew her with butterflies in her hair and the message, my dreams are not illegal, as a sign for support for the community. I never expected it to go as, I guess you can say, like kind of viral as it did within the Latin, the, within the Latinx community online. Even though she's had her her love and, and hateful comments, I wanted to share a different face of the Afro-Latinas that are out there that need our support as well. You know, I didn't realize she was a Afro-Latina. Many people <laughs> she just don't. looks like a regular she Latina. She, I thought, yeah, I, I thought she was just a brown person with curly yeah. hair because That's... my sister has hair just like her, long oh. and curly. So. Um, yeah, I didn't even realize she was an Afro-Latina, but I wanted she's a, beautiful. I wanted a different face. And one of the things that's funny is that many people don't know, or you guys don't know, is that I've received a lot of messages like, why she, why does she got to be black? Like, what does this have to do with black people or anything? And people don't realize that there's so much colorism oh, yeah. that still exists, and yeah. we still do come in different shades. Wow. And there's like an erasure of Afro-Latina, so I wanted to bring a different light to that. And every time like, the black community always sees her, there's a different connection also. So it's nice to bring in different parts of the world that have this little insight of like, oh, thank you. Like there's a little representation out there for me. That's awesome. Yeah. My cousin actually said to me like years ago, he was like, oh, you're lucky. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, he's brown skinned. I'm like, I look really, you can I'm like really well. Yeah, I'm really mm -hmm. white. So I never even considered that. But now that you said it, you know, it's very much, I get it. I get like, people don't look at you the same way that they might look at me because like our face doesn't really look the same either. So, so yeah, there's definitely that still that stigma where like where I grew up, it's like, oh, he, he was born real wet or he was born real wet at. And that's like a compliment <laughs> where I'm like, that's not a compliment because I'm lighter skinned than my siblings and so I know they were joking but I think in a family that actually hurts people it's sad because yeah. then my siblings were like you're adopted or like you can't come with us because you look white yeah. you know like it's stuff like that it's really dumb or they're gonna say, or they, they gonna say like people are gonna steal you or like they see like a like a darker skinned person like like the other day this lady that helps my mom cook in the morning um, she's like, I was walking down the street and I saw a black guy and I was like, oh, maybe he's going to come and like do something to me. And I'm, and I'm just like listening. And then my grandpa was like, yeah, they're really bad. And I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, what? They're just literally talking about them in this way. I'm like, I would have just thought he was walking down the street trying to get to work. But no, yeah. they're like putting all these negative connotations to him. And I'm like, that guy was just probably minding his own business. And they're just like attaching all these like very negative stigmas to him. I think it's, it's a little sad too when you start teaching your kids, you know, from a young age. Like we all, that we're all different colors, even though your brother is darker or your sister is darker. Oh no, you're lighter. You have lighter eyes. or And I, I understand that they were probably brought up that way and you know their parents talk about the same things but it's just really sad that kids see the difference between their siblings and coming from a family where everyone is really different color because we're all mixed right my mom the other day said it's okay like if you're in a protest like they might or like anywhere like walking down the street in texas they're not going to do anything to you because you're white and i'm like <laughs> and she looks more like the afro latina that you guys created and so it's 
it's really sad for her to say that and for her to, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, the world is so obsessed with Eurocentric beauty standards. Like, I remember when I was little, like, even just from, like, strangers or women, like, at the bodega, like, my cousins are a lot lighter skinned than I am, and I never thought of myself as really dark. And they would always praise them for their beauty, because, like, oh my gosh, this what is that? You know, your skin is so mm-hmm. white and nice. And then I'll be there, and I'm like, you're cute, too. <laughs> We're like, I'm like, that's okay. Some like backhanded. Yeah, backhanded compliment. They have they have a term in Spanish that my family I heard that numerous times jokingly. It's called they say oh mejorando la raza, mm-hmm. improving yeah. the race as you get lighter. Ooh. It's um, yeah, and it's, it's everywhere. Like, I've heard it in Peru and like in my family and in, in Guate, like they say that mejorando la raza. Yeah, estamos mejorando, and they keep saying it after they know how I feel uh, or like we're in a space where it's kind of inclusive, right? Mm-hmm. But they do they 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 say those words and it's just like what do you what do you mean yeah once daca got rescinded just like a few days like that day and then like the days after that i'm not even a daca recipient and i was just feeling very like just anxious and very sad and just Thinking about the people who now didn't know what's gonna what their future was gonna be like, mm-hmm. and then some people were like, "You need to do something. Like you, you should earn this and that." And I'm like, I can barely like help myself right now, and I just <laughs> felt very like I'm like I know I can do it, but at the same time, I just it just the whole emotional impact it has on you it just made me feel like I couldn't do anything at the time yeah like you feel helpless and hopeless and then like you can't like yeah. you're trying to put yourself in their space and yeah like, they feel so much worse than you do so like mm-hmm. it's your duty to do something like you know help them out and I think that's what really drew me to like the Jolt community I think that's why I, like really first came here I was just like I, I can do something it you know it might, might be something small but I can help out in some way you know I'm not I'm not a DACA recipient but you know, my family was integrated here at some point. You know, we've all been there. You know, whether or not it's your your generation or your parents' generation, it's 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 in there somewhere. You know, so yes, yeah. I, action, I think we're all here because it's, it's a sense of of responsibility mm-hmm. that we have. Yeah, it's our duty. And, yeah. yeah, and talking yeah. to someone earlier, <clears throat> we we started describing it as immigrant guilt. Mm-hmm. Like we have all our parents who always put this pressure on us to do better, improve better figure out how to help the community because we all relate to it somehow. At some point, we all immigrated here. And with DACA recipients, I feel like it's such a stab in the back from our government because it was such a big deal for them to come out mm-hmm. and sign up for it. And, you know, get then all their info. Yeah. Yeah. Get all their info and then, but then also live that experience to be able to have a job, to be able to have a driver, driver's license, something that we take for complete, completely for granted. Mm-hmm. And now to just pull the rug out from under them and then really to, to put it on Congress's hands that can't even handle healthcare or you know, a multitude of other things. So there's just really no hope, right? In our in neither one of the branches of government. And so that's where it's such a big deal for us to show that support. My friend moved to Seattle. He's a DACA recipient and he's an engineer. 
and he feels so much comfortable over there because it's so much liberal and just the difference of in the license because in the Texas license it says there that you're not a citizen basically I don't remember but it says oh. it there we asked a DACA recipient to show you their license okay. it basically says you're not a citizen and over there it doesn't mention it at all in the driver's license and that's such a, pri- a new privilege for him wow he's marked like yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a brand it's, it's terrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. 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 and you wouldn't think about it. Just something so little. Yeah, it's chilling because I'm I grew up. I'm older than you guys. So <laughs> you like I said, my dad worked for the government during the Cold War, and I just remember they would talk about going from East to West Germany, and there were armed guards there. Even, you know, my mom was holding us, the babies, and they would still be checking in their stuff. And if they said no, the guards would start raising his gun. I mean, and then we're talking about building a wall again. I'm like, have we really not learned any lessons from this? From history. Yeah, from history. It's crazy to me. And I think the parallels to, I'm sorry if it sounds crazy, but I think the parallels to Nazi Germany are not that far off. Just... uh, I was hearing on, I think it was NPR a day or two ago, how now um, they are separating uh, families when they, like in this case, it was an asylum seeker. The seven-year-old daughter got put in one detention center and the family in a completely different detention center. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that seven-year-old and the mom, how they were feeling? So thus the parallels to Nazi Germany, uh, I mean, families that might be going off to work or school and there's a possibility that they might get picked up and never come back. That, that was the crazy thing. That What's going on here? here? Is nuts. Like, I'm just like, <clears throat> you're telling our local police that they have no choice but to, you know, cooperate with the federals and they're not being paid or trained for this. No. Campus police have to. And I'm like, this is for people that want states' rights so bad. Why are you fighting for this? It's crazy. Yeah. But they're allowed, they were waiting. I think they change it now, but they're waiting for families at schools to ice to grab people. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, that is Nazi Germany. That's not America I grew up in. It's kind of wild to me. It blows my mind. Yeah. And they were always like, oh, what would you do if you could go back in time and be there during Nazi Germany when this was happening? How did the German people let this happen while we're watching how it's happening right now? That's why I don't think it's too far-fetched to compare it. Um, I know, like, those terms get thrown around, especially over the previous eight years where, you know, because Obama said arugula or, you know, he had arugula or something, he's this Nazi or something, you know, right? But throwing it around now, it, it's it's not far-fetched because it didn't happen overnight in Germany. It was after the Great Depression. There was a, you know, worldwide depression. They were recovering. And you have this strong man who is, you know, giving you these promises in, similar, in a similar way. That's what's happening now, which is... Disappointing in one sense that we can forget about history so quickly, but also the nature of people that we do need sort of a strong figure to, to lead us. Uh, you know, I say us just because speaking cohesively, but just somebody that, you know, they think that Obama went on this worldwide op- apology tour. And so what is the alternative? Is this child who's just playing, you know, behind a keyboard with two tyrants around the world? That's just insane to me but people see that as a sign of strength and people feel protected and safe somehow and in the end we're all just frustrated you know financially and mm-hmm. politically in a way so 
it's it's happening slowly. We're watching the deterioration of democracy, and we are not going to sit back. I was really proud, um, and it just of Dani and Bere for sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, super brave. Super yeah. brave. It, I was super proud of them at that moment, and then after the event, it just kind of really hit me. I'm like, whew. Um, they've got a lot more skin in the game than I do, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, extremely brave and courageous to do what they did in front of a crowd, in front of the Texas Capitol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, we know, I know this intellectually, but it really, I really understood in a different way, you know, um, seeing them both. And when I think I saw one of the other protests for DACA, um, it wasn't ours, but one of the students just talking about that this is potentially, I think, the second week that they've missed school. And for them, it's because what is point? What's the point of my education if I'm not going to be able to use it here? Mm-hmm. And that that you know speaks to me because I've always been so you know, or when I was in school, it was like school, 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 push. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's this end goal and, and this career, but like that would completely be useless. And like, yeah, it's, it's you know you'll have people that'll kind of disparage that, or like, oh, why are you missing school or something like that? But that's because there's something truly I mean, much more important than that when your family's at risk and when your own yeah. future's at risk and how could you focus on on, on class yeah, on midterms and yeah the conversation that we're having right now is um <clears throat> exactly why it was important for me at this time to work with an organization of other people of color yeah. We get these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've worked um, with other organizations where it's primarily white allies and doing good work as well. Mm-hmm. But they just um, don't know the experiences deeply. They don't understand. I mean, I think they can listen and intellectually understand what we're saying, mm-hmm. but we feel it at the heart. Sure. Yeah. right that it takes to get to this country and I think we touched on this before too about people don't just leave for nothing you leave because you're escaping poverty violence or seeing seeking opportunities so mm-hmm. as long as you work for it what right do we have to stop anyone from doing that because we, this country is built on wave after wave of immigrants from one place and another with the exception of the Native Americans, like everyone has come here for a reason, persecution of religion or what have you. So it's just a matter of the fact that today it's Hispanics, Central Americans and Mexicans, because even in Mexico, at least I see the numbers that there's a net loss of migration because more people are going back than are coming from specifically Mexico. So now we're seeing more people from Central America, but again, to them, it's just brown and it's south of the border. So we should close that border and that's outright racism. I love that it was us. I get frustrated because like some people are yelling so loud they seem to be framing the argument in this really crazy way that is bizarre. So for us to do this piece, it's like we're we're saying no, we're reframing the argument, reframing the dialogue. Like this is we're a beautiful part of this culture, you know, and we've all we've been here for probably longer than you have. <laughs> I think it was just Texas Independence Day, and so. Um, I'm like, well, independence from whom? Yeah, I guess it's better flight. It's about reclaiming our space again. Mm-hmm. Just 
letting it be known that we're here and we're uplifting the spirits again of everybody who does feel depressed. I love that I made it so large because it's so un unapologetic. It's just, it's taking up space and we're reclaiming it within this place that wasn't meant for us. It's human scale, so that yeah. It's, it's, it's the scale of a human, but that, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. It's the size of a human because you're gaining your wings and your voice and your presence, and you know, butterflies are just are small on their own, but they're they create these massive movements on, and they come together. And so the message being that you're part of a colony and we're going to support you, we're going to have your back and we're in this together. It doesn't matter if we're undocumented or not. We're part of a larger culture and you're not alone. I hope that they also kind of wonder, oh, what the hell are those little white circular things? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that I like that we put our own, you know, little personal touch on that as, um, I guess as a Mexican culture. Migration happens from many different countries, but we put our own little personal touch. <laughs> and I think it's very appropriate it being Texas and you know that connection to Mexico. The butterfly like really represents like a lot of aspects and, and that's great that it'll be traveling across different venues and hopefully beyond um, Austin. You know, even if it touches just a few people, people might people might look at it and get confused and be like, what, what does that have to do with anything? But like, if you just like see all the posts and you see all the, you know, the hashtags or whatever, you know, I think people hopefully will, will pull something from that. And... Dreamers especially can, you know, find power and find their inner power in this and continue to fight, you know, and, and spread their wings and continue to go and keep growing and keep fighting.